1: And welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Lupay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, how are you on this fine Thursday morning?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, Eugene. Uh, going skiing soon, so I'm gearing up for that. Film this podcast real quick, and then hit the slopes. So how, about, how about yourself?
1: Oh, that's pretty sweet. When when are you going skiing? I'm assuming this weekend, or not this weekend?
0: No, no, no. Today, today, right, right after, right after oh, we're done. Oh, oh wow! wow. I, I'm I'm hitting the slopes. First first ski day of the year, so I can't wait.
1: Yeah, see, I thought you were going to go over New Year's Eve, celebrate it on a mountain. Nah. Don't watch the ball drop from afar?
0: No. Nah. It fam- wasn't in the cards this year for the fam, so we're just doing day trips.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that that's cool, too. That's cool, too. You still have your weekend.
0: Yes, that is true.
1: So, yesterday, I, I was telling you about this off the air. I was mm-hmm. at the Slam Dunk Tournament in New York. It's a pretty big tournament. A lot of great high school teams from all over, boys and girls. Okay. And I was watching a little bit of Bryce Wills. Uh, you know, as we talked about before, he's one of Villanova's targets. He's mm-hmm. a young guy. I think he's only a sophomore, so we still got a few more years. Oh, we got but, a while. Yeah, but he's already got an offer from Nova. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I learned from like Cam Reddish that we need to hop on these guys ASAP.
0: Yeah, really, to keep up with the big, bigger boys.
1: So while I was watching him and doing a little coverage and scouting, a little bit of both. I happened to sit next to a o- former referee. Don't want to say old, just doesn't sound right. Former, mm-hmm. former referee.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Over 30 years of experience at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. I thought, at first, I thought he was a scout for high school guys and just for whatever college. Because I noticed he was taking notes. He wasn't doing any kind of game coverage, he was just critiquing things left and right with his partner. Right. At halftime, his partner goes to go get some refreshments or concessions, whatever. And I turned and I asked him, you know, hey, are you like a scout? What school are you here for? And he said, I'm not exactly a scout. I'm an observer. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> what are you observing? And I didn't know about this. I did not know this. They will send people to go to random games and basically take note of the officiating. He was there Hmm. to scout the referees, not the players, no ties to either teams. He was rooting for a just cause, and that was for the game to be called right. Wow.
0: I didn't know that that the refs had like a, like a government agency to watch over them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I always thought that when people had a problem with the refs, it was that you sent in your game tape and then people would you know, review it then. Right. I mean, I'm sure they had that too, but that this, these people were, they were really into it. They were calling out every missed call. They were shaking their head Ooh, every oh time boy. there was a blown call or something was not called the right way. Right. They were not happy
0: wow that's hilarious i did not know that and i feel like it's it's kind of easy to critique high school refs i, I just feel that the, the refs at that level just aren't up to game speed as some of the other ones are obviously as you progress up the ladder but that is funny there's a scouts for refs <laughs> yeah he,
1: said that he retired after being a d1 college ref for over 30 years and now this is what he does now
0: that's a pretty sweet like retirement job that's like the guys who uh you know, big, big name football players, basketball players, whatever, retire. And then I'd say maybe three months later, they're in, they're in studio critiquing other basketball players for ESPN or something. So I guess that's the referee equivalent, so to speak.
1: Do you think young referees look up? Do you think they're like model referees, like Hall of Fame referees? <laughs> that you like? Um, With basketball, I, I,
0: I, I'd I say that's a little bit tough now because of the way Many fans just view official basketball officials after Tim Donahue all those years ago. So I, I, I would be hesitant to jump on that bandwagon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree. There There's definitely some <laughs> sketchiness.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's some clean ones, obviously, but, you know, the, the higher-end ones, you always hear that they were somehow involved with Donahue at some point. So
1: Kind of like what you said. He said that the high school refereeing is where it needs the most work. That's where it needs the most yeah. evaluation.
0: I, I would agree with
1: that. Just sitting next to them, it sounded like there was something wrong every 20 seconds. They were they, were, they were very upset. Wow. This, this was a big-time game. You know, there were two great teams, talented players on both sides, some looking to get scouted for college whatnot. Right. So at halftime, I couldn't resist to ask him about some certain myths. As us, the spectators, or as someone who doesn't know much about how officiating works other than blowing a whistle and getting calls and whatnot, mm-hmm. I want to know about the deep things. I asked One of the questions I asked him was, are makeup calls a real thing? Hmm. Yeah, we went there and it was definitely a touchy subject. I asked him that yeah. question and he was a little taken aback.
0: Yeah, that's, that's straight to the jugular there, Eugene.
1: I didn't realize how loaded of a question that was when I asked it. What do you say? He said, don't call it makeup calls, first of all. It's kind of like when you say someone has a quote unquote joke major, they're going to take great offense to their work.
0: Right, right, and,
1: right, right. And makeup calls is the equivalent of that. They, he said, call it game management. Oh, God. So there so there is a spin on it. It, it? it doesn't exactly work like the way we think it does. It makes, it makes sense. He prefaced it by saying, obviously, as human referees, they're not going to get every call right, or they're not going to catch every foul that's taking place. Right. Now, he said, if a ref misses a call on one end, he has to go and miss that same call directly after on the other end. And in a way... You kind of make up for it, and then you reset, and then you go from there. He said that the objective is to not give makeup calls. The objective is to, if you make a mistake, try not to do it again.
0: <sighs> Two wrongs don't make a right. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why missing it on one end, missing it, and then missing it on the other? Uh, I, I don't get it. Apparently, it's. I, don't, I just don't understand thing. why refs. I, I don't understand why refs just can't call it correctly from start to finish, but they, that's what it is. I mean, I understand you are going to miss some calls, but just because you missed it on one end doesn't mean you should miss it on the other end.
1: They, uh... and, and he said that it's a universally accepted thing. The coaches, like, the coaches is <laughs> – no- the coaches know that this is a part of the officiating. The, coach- so much- the coaches
0: are in on this? The, the coaches, coaches are in on this.
1: Yeah, he was like, he, was, he gave me an example. If I miss a charge on one end and uh, directly on the next possession, I miss a charge on the other end, coaches won't get upset with me. Because it's just a thing that they just know this is how it's supposed to be.
0: So this is their form of damage control.
1: It is their form of damage control. And then it's basically, everyone knows that this is like a universal quote unquote reset. And then they work from there. God. Wow. Isn't that weird? Is that it, is
0: like, so weird. Like I, was,
1: you, I, I couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah. The fact that the coaches are on are the most, is the most astounding part. I kind of felt that makeup calls was a thing. And I do understand why they kind of have to if they miss someone and you miss the other. But it doesn't make it correct. And I don't think that's the way you should be going about teaching officials. You should teach them to get it everything in a vacuum like I don't I don't know yeah you let
1: him play on one end and then you let him play on the other end and then from then on it's like all right where's my whistle
0: yeah really did you ask him about anything like with big game situations at the end if they're like more inclined to swallow the whistle
1: I did ask that and he said towards the end of the game is when we make sure we want to do our best job and then I said okay whatever that means
0: so you mean to tell me now that the refs have their own form of speaking just like Jay and his cronies their way of speaking.
1: Yeah, he told me straight up, just remember this, rule of thumb, better players, less whistles. Straight up told me that. Straight wow. Straight
0: up. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of those things that we talk about, but it is actually a thing. And then he said, in a situation where you have, you know, like let's say a guy drives in for a layup and three guys jump at the ball mm-hmm. and there's and he's fouled, he said, you either call it on the guy who has less fouls or you call it on the guy who doesn't play much. But you never call it on the star, unless if it's oh. obvious, like oh. look straight up obvious.
0: That's bad. I feel like they shouldn't be admitting to this.
1: Although I do I do
0: feel that the one um, where you just said where they're all jumping at the ball, you call the one who has less fouls. I can see that. That I'm okay with, I feel like, more so than not. I don't know why, but it's just <laughs> – because, I mean, you don't want to see guys foul out. I don't think you should give preference to the stars, but I don't think you want to see guys foul out because then it just gets messy, and then you really don't really determine who who's the better team, so to speak. But the fact that stars get preferential treatment, I'm not a fan of it, but it doesn't shock me
1: in the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was definitely... <laughs> just always remember, better players, less whistles. <laughs> that, is a, that is so funny.
0: You should quote that. You should get. You should. Start, you should write one of those independent pieces for the bench mob. Long form, independent pieces on officiating, and just, just go off what this guy had to say.
1: I don't know if you remember this. A couple years back, when Seaton Hall upset Villanova, Sterling Gibbs jumped on the scores table, yada yada yada. Buzz mm-hmm. beater, okay. Yeah. Eugene Teague, Seaton Hall's like seven foot center, mm-hmm. fouled out. They reviewed the foul. And he was giving Nova some problems because obviously he was, like, a big seven-foot guy and we're never really about our big guys. Mm -hmm. They went back, reviewed the call, took back the foul on Teague, so he comes back into the game, and instead they tagged it on the guy who was next to him who had, like, two.
0: Oh, I don't remember that. But, wow. (laughs) I guess that kind of goes against what I was saying, that I would be a fan of that. If that happened against my team, I would not be a fan of that.
1: It's just weird. He was just basically saying, remember, it's always about game management. You want to get it right. And if you make a mistake, you reset and you go from there. That's basically the gist of it.
0: Yeah, that is, oh, boy. That's funny. I I don't know. College reps always seem to get more flack than most. But I, I actually liked the refereeing the past year or so. I don't know about you. I didn't really find any issue with it. I know a lot of people had an issue with the North Carolina game.
1: I had no idea that was a problem until like six months after the fact. Maybe because yeah. I was in a Villanova-friendly environment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. But if you if you opened up anything related to that game on social media, it was just constant bas- bashing from the refs. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm at that point now where bashing the refs just comes off as sour grapes. It, yeah. It,
1: It really is one of those kinds of things where you just really look like a sore loser.
0: Yeah. I mean, I used to be all about that when I was younger, like high school and heck, even freshman, even sophomore year of college. I don't know. I feel like I've matured past the whole, it's the ref's fault. We should be better. Like I've always, I am now under full agreement that we, your team determines it. The refs don't determine it.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things that when you, when you do think about it at the end of the day, there are what, like. 40, 50 shots per team in a basketball Mm -hmm. game. You make or miss one or two of those, the game in itself is already completely different.
0: Right, exactly.
1: But on the other hand, there are times when the ref does mess up. Example, look at Jim Joyce and that perfect game. Right, or the Fail Mary. The Fail Mary.
0: Des dropped it. (laughs)
1: There are a couple couple ones.
0: Yeah, the Jim Joyce one is probably the
1: most egregious, I would say. But just remember, you reset and you work from there.
0: Right, he didn't have a chance to reset.
1: (laughs) That was his problem. See, if it he had a chance to reset, if it was maybe in like the fourth inning, but because it was the ninth inning, no chance.
0: No chance. Same thing with the fail, Mary. That that was the game. No chance to reset.
1: (laughs) And better players, less whistles. At least in basketball.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense now. LeBron, I don't think he's ever fouled out of a game ever.
1: And as always. The higher the level, the better the refereeing. So, mm. unfortunately, if you're on JV or varsity of your high school, you're not getting yeah. the top class refs.
0: Yeah, you're getting the short end of the stick there.
1: Well, oh, and lastly, one more thing before we talk about basketball. Oh, sure. He was a big fan of the shot. This guy oh, was really? hyped on it. But, yeah, I was I was talking to him, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I used to write a lot of college, actually. And he's like, oh, where'd you go to school? And I told him Villanova. And he was like, oh, Jay Wright. Man, he he started like quoting Jay and then he was like that shot. You must have had a lot to write about on that shot.
0: Oh, yeah. was like,
1: oh yeah. there was a lot to write about and then yeah, a lot to uh uh celebrate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he did he do biggie's games? Did he tell you that? Or... Yeah, he did.
1: He did do a few biggie's games. He he knows the coaches very well. Oh, that's cool.
0: How and, recent of a retiree is he?
1: Did he uh recent? last year.
0: Oh. Dude, what's his name? You, did you get it?
1: Uh, I will not name him. On the air. I will not name him on the air. Oh, and another another rule of thumb that he said: coaches won't go after the longtime veteran refs, but if you're a new guy, young, they're gonna hound you.
0: Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that makes sense too. That that's to be expected. I think that's that could be said about any workplace.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah, even if you're the, the guy's who been there forever and you're lazy, that's okay. But if you're the that's new guy I mean. and you're lazy, that's not okay.
0: Yeah, that's not. It doesn't look good.
1: So yeah, we had a big basketball doubleheader yesterday at the Pavilion. First, we had the women's team going up against the Marquette Golden Eagles, and then we had the men's team playing against the lovely DePaul Blue Demons hmm. from Chicago, from Chitown. I guess you know, I guess we should talk about it in the way that the doubleheader unfolded. So let's let's go with the women's team first. Sure. So the women's team they played Marquette at home at noon. It was a real close game, and despite a thirty-one point effort from Adriana Hahn tied the program record with nine threes. Villanova fell short, falling to the Golden Eagles, seventy-seven to seventy-one. Mm. Chris, what did you take away from that game? I mean you had the day off, man. You you say you got to watch it.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, of course I did. Yeah, Adriana Hahn dropping nine deep bombs. That's that is just absurd on any level. That's Steph Curry esque. Um going eleven to twenty from the field, thirty-one total points. That's that's just under half of grand total points Villanova scored. Next leading scorer was Alex Lewin, who also had a nice little day. 3-7 from deep, 9-14 from the field, and made the only free throw Villanova attempted. So yet again, that is another issue that I've noticed for these past few games. Villanova does not get to the free throw line, and it's uh, coming back to hurt them, especially in close games like these, especially if you have any semblance of a bad shooting night and then the next leading scorer was janna tucker 6 of 14 from the field two of six from deep she played in 31 minutes had a nice little game chipped and everything but again it's we mentioned it so many times in the last podcast but rebounds was a huge issue marquette had 38 total rebounds and villanova had 29 uh, outclassed on the boards and erica davenport Had 15 total, seven of the offensive variety and eight of the defensive variety for Marquette. We mentioned it, I don't know how many times, that they had to control the boards to have even a close chance of winning this game. And yeah, they kept it close, but they weren't able to get through because they just couldn't grab the ball off off the missed shots.
1: You know what's crazy? What? Adriana Hahn wears number 31. 31 points wears number 31.
0: Oh, would you look at that? I didn't even make that connection. Great call.
1: One of those uh, Illuminati conspiracy theory things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) At least that's probably what they'll tell you on the internet. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Villanova didn't have to necessarily dominate the boards. I mean, it was definitely a tough task because Marquette is so great at cleaning up the glass. Mm -hmm. But they had to at least make it close. And when you give up those offensive rebounds, it becomes second-chance points. You know, you look at the scoreboard, you only lose by six. Maybe you take away a few of those second-chance baskets.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The game goes your way. I mean, Villanova had a one-point lead at half. Unfortunately, Golden Eagles started to get ahead in the third quarter, really got in front in the fourth quarter, and then it was just catch up from there for Nova. Real tough one.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, it was closer than we both expected it to be. I would think we can agree on that one. So, I mean, that's that's a sign of positivity, I guess, if you want to get any silver linings away from this game. And also, Villanova had nine offensive rebounds compared to Marquette's 11. So if you want to look at it from the offensive side of things on the glass, it was pretty even. And if you take away Erica Davenport, Villanova pretty much dominated, but obviously you can't do that.
1: Yeah. And also on the bright side, compared to the previous two games in which Villanova lost to Temple and Duke, they shot the ball better, way better. Yeah, they did. And Adriana Han was a big part of that. I mean, 11 for 20 is very good, especially mm-hmm. when you knock down nine from deep. Mm-hmm. That's pretty insane.
0: She played 39 of the 40 minutes too. so she was She was in there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she was in there. She, she was also almost a point per minute. Ah, almost. Josh heart style, almost, yeah. So up next, the women's basketball team has a pretty tough one coming up. They just lost a hard game to Marquette, and if they want to bounce back, they're going to need a pretty good effort to do so because they are taking on the defending Big East champions, the DePaul Blue Demons, who are nowhere near. They're not like their male counterparts.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, The DePaul's the actually pretty good. The The women's side, like you said.
1: Historically, I mean historically. last night was a we're we're going to get to we're going to get to that. But historically, <laughs> the women's team is a lot better than their male counterparts. For sure. What can we expect from the Lady Blue Demons? Um well, their top
0: player is Jessica January. Great name, you know, especially this time of the year. New Year's right around the corner. She's a senior guard, and she's the preseason pick for the Big East Player of the Year, averaging 16 points, five boards, and six assists. She's an all-around versatile, complete player. Definitely keep an eye out for her. Brooke Schultz, she's another big contributor for the Blue Demons, averaging 11 points per game. And the third option for the Blue Demons is Jackie Grant. She's averaging 10.8 points per game and is actually the top rebounder with 6.7 boards per game. We mentioned coming off a big win against Georgetown, 76-53 in their Big East home opener. And they are defending Big East champs.
1: They're good. Jessica January is the real deal. I mean, she does everything for them. She is their heart and soul. And I remember at Big East Media Day, the hype for her was big time. She came back as the team's top returning scorer, and now she's really taking charge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. At least early on, it seems like that. Which, did she did you get any votes for Player of the Year last year?
1: Um, I'm not sure if she actually received any votes because she had to defer to fellow senior and teammate Shanice Jenkins, who ended up actually winning Biggies Player of the Year. Oh, okay. So I guess now that, you know, now that some of her teammates have graduated, I think it's her turn now. Passing of the torch. Yeah, DePaul has had the last two Biggies Player of the Year. Wow.
0: Yeah. This is a complete 180 from their men's squad. But as we saw last night, that might not be true.
1: <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to that. So, Chris, what are you feeling? What are you expecting from this game? I mean, the cards are definitely. Not in Villanova's favor.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm not feeling good about this one either. I mean, they, they had a pretty good shooting performance against Marquette, and they still couldn't get the job done. And Marquette's, they're a good team, but they're not DePaul-esque. So I'm going to give this one to the Blue Demons in a relatively decisive battle.
1: Yeah, Villanova has upset DePaul in years past especially when they play at the Pavilion. But this is a completely new team from then. Not new in a bad sense, but new as just and There's a lot of new faces and a lot of yeah. players taking bigger roles. And I think they're still trying to acclimate to that.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's still a feeling out process, at least this early on. I mean, you obviously had the chance in, in non-conference play, but I feel like with Big East, it's a whole other animal. So they, they guys still got their feeling out to do.
1: I think the Lady Blue Demons are giving up that throne anytime soon.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. They should probably win the conference with relative ease.
1: So, as we transition from the women's, the Paul team, let's talk about the men's, the Paul team. And Chris, uh, you know, uh, we have to hand it to ourselves; we've done a good job. You know, you you talked about how happy you were and excited to go skiing. You know, you really did a good job of hiding your anger. Because uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. When I talked to you last night, Chris, you were not happy about what transpired at the pavilion last night. No, I was not.
0: I don't so, think anyone could be.
1: Let's talk about the giant elephant in the podcast room. Chris, why don't you take it first? I'll, I'll let you take it. You, you had some strong things that you said you wanted to say. Okay.
0: Okay. You know, if, if, for those of you who have listened to me before, I, 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 I hype this team up a lot. We both do. We both do. And the only game so far this year in which they've actually had any sort of competition that was unexpected, because the Notre Dame game was close, I'll okay, give and Purdue. The game that terrified me the most was LaSalle. And they didn't look competent in that one. Kind of like you know, just went about their business. No big deal. We're better than them. We'll just win on talent. No big deal. You would, you say okay, you know, you get get one of those per year, and you don't think it's going to happen in Big East play. You're, I mean, it's the Big East. This is what Jay Wright talks about all year. It's the Big East tournament's more important than the NCAA tournament. Apparently, that, that's what I've been told in years past. The big East Big East foes are more important than these non-conference games. You know, that's why we schedule college in Charleston or whatever. But no, first game in the Big East at a, a morgue that is now known as the Pavilion. You don't even try. They didn't even try. I'm, I'm going to go on and say that. They didn't even try. Josh Hart dropped 25 points without even trying. I I... I what were they doing? It was it was one of those games you wanted to bang your head against the wall because you had no idea what 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 they were doing. I mean, who who are you? Like, who are you guys? Like, what team is this? Are you the number one team in the nation that you're so great and you're beating up on Purdue on the road and a, a team that's coming off a historic tournament run? Or are you guys this team at at the Pavilion that is? in a track race against DePaul, a bottom feeder in this, in your conference, who you consistently beat up on every year, but no, for this game, what, what is it now? Now all of a sudden the two biggest seniors you guys have had in the past 10 years leave. And now all of a sudden you got to have every game close. Like, I, I all right, I'm spoiled. I'll, I'll say it. I'm spoiled. Like, but that you should, you, you were winning and I'm complaining, but you shouldn't be beating DePaul by three. What makes you think that you're going to go into Creighton now in the next game and have actually any shot of beating them? They just beat Seton Hall by, what was it, like 14 points? And Seton Hall is a really good team. And Creighton at home is even better. They were probably the best team in the Big East when you put, when you put every team in their home environment. But now here we are, jerking around with the Paul. Because our seniors don't know what the heck they're doing outside of Josh Hart. Chris Jenkins at the end was had one of the biggest mind lapses ever, shooting a three with 40 seconds left in the, in the game when you had about another 15 on the shot clock to kill. I mean, what, what does that show? And he's playing like crap too. Daryl has been non-existent. Bridges has been the only – him and Hart have been the only consistent stars, And I guess you can throw Jalen in there, I, I guess. But he's, he's hit or miss. He was terrible from the line last night. And then off the bench, we're existent right now because Phil has his injured knee, which you can't fault him for. But Eastman can only do so much. And Dante, don't even get me started on him. He's horrible lately. Ever since – I guess it was – I think it was the LaSalle game. He just has fallen off the cliff. What, like, who are these guys? identify yourselves. You shouldn't be beating DePaul by three. You should be blowing these guys out. And now if they come out against Creighton and destroy them, I'll be like, okay, no harm, no foul. But this shouldn't be happening. And this is concerning, not just for Creighton, but for the rest of the year.
1: Going into the game, Villanova was a 26.5 point favorite. Yeah, that's crazy. One thing that definitely stuck out to me was the free throw shooting. The free throw shooting, the free throw shooting, the free throw shooting. Mm Villanova was an uncharacteristic 18 for 26. That's less than 70% from the line. There were some moments that even though they were going to the line late, usually you feel feel confident. You feel calm. You're like, oh, they're going to knock these down, and then they're going to separate themselves. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A lot of one for twos. Yes. (laughs) Let DePaul back in it. Mm -hmm. It was definitely mind-boggling. It was, uh, wow. I mean, that game. Villanova's up at one point by, I think, 14 or 13. Yeah. I don't know if it's horrendous play, per se, but it might be complacency. It might be, I don't know if they were worried too much about Creighton and Xavier coming up back-to-back that they overlooked DePaul, but at the same time, you should be blowing out your bottom feeder. As the the king shark in the ocean or whatever, they got to destroy the DePaul's and the guys who are just consistently... At the bottom, they should not even be in the same conversation. Right? It should not be upset alert. DePaul might be Villanova. That shouldn't be a sentence anyone is ever saying.
0: It's ridiculous. You're home. You can't allow this to happen on your home court. A a place where you haven't lost in like three years. Figure it out. (laughs) I don't understand. Was it because the the pavilion was an absolute morgue? The last night, I I don't understand. Are we that? Are the students that much of a uh,
1: advantage to this team at home? I I, I don't know. Oh, that was another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. It's so weird. I don't know why. It's always been like this. Obviously, in that you know, when the students are away, it's not going to be as loud or as noisy or as you know crazy. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in the last four years, but I don't know why I'm noticing it now more than ever.
0: Yeah, I agree too, like even against play Xavier last year, like it was during winter break, and it wasn't that noticeable. it wasn't like we, we destroyed them that game, and we never really complained about the crowd at all. I guess it was that at that time it was fine, but like you said this year it's just it's more apparent than ever. Maybe because we're just not there. I don't know.
1: The other thing, too, you know, when you brought up LaSalle, one thing that was interesting about the LaSalle game is, yeah, we shut down B.J. Johnson. Yeah, we shut down Jordan Price. But it was that third guy that stepped it up, really put Villanova on the hot seat.
0: Yeah, our, and for DePaul, Pookie.
1: Yeah, for LaSalle's it was Pookie Powell. And for DePaul, it was Chadarius McCallum mm-hmm. who – hasn't even been performing as well as Eli Kane or Billy Gary Jr. Mm -hmm. And last night he had a big game. He went 9 for 13, had a team high 19 points, seven rebounds, three steals how
0: like why <laughs> I, I don't understand it's it's oh it's so weird it's always it's been like this ever since i started watching it's always the tertiary guys that come out of nowhere and destroy us and it won't be your big guys it'll always be those low-key guys like we kind of mentioned in our previews like toward the end just as like a throw in, just to cover all our bases just in case they do go off and then here they are they do go off eli keen didn't even play that well 2 of 8 from deep, 6 of 19 from the field. Billy Gary Jr. continuing his inefficient ways, shooting 6 of 17, 2 from deep. But he was 5 of 5 from the line, which we did highlight that he's a good free throw shooter. But McCollum, 9 of 13 from the field. Like, it's crazy. Crazy.
1: DePaul didn't even shoot that well from three. Like, usually with no. Villanova, it's because they sling it from mm-hmm. the three-point line and knock him down. Mm-hmm. The Blue Demons were 3 of 17. Yeah. Three of 17.
0: Horrible. Horrible. I mean, they made their free throws at least. Granted, they only took seven of them, but they made six of them. I Meanwhile, wow, we're flirting with eighteen and twenty-six.
1: If you're the I mean, you're definitely happy about how you played, the way oh, you played. Absolutely. Oh, sure, you lost, but you're definitely like, oh, this this is great. We can hang with anybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I was gonna say that, like, if you're like Xavier or even like if you're Xavier or Georgetown or Marquette, like, you got to be fearing the poll now because the poll thinks they can hang on anyone. What makes you like? If you're on that bench, coming out of that game, you've got to feel that you can go into any place in the Big East and and give them a game. Maybe not win, but you can at least give them a game. If you're doing it to us, you can certainly do it to everyone else.
1: Yeah, we joked about, or we didn't really joke about, but we pointed out how the Blue Demons always get that one win. That one win that Mm -hmm. just kind of shocks everyone. Last year was when they beat Providence. I think it was on the road. I think it was at the dunk. Mm-hmm. So, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but they beat Providence unexpectedly with Ben Benzel with Chris Dunn, and they almost did it last night. But if there's one positive thing to take away, mm-hmm. Josh Hart just continues to be a baller. He is he's, he's bailed him out yet again.
0: He's good. He's so good. It's unbelievable. The that stretch. three he the three he had at the end just it it made me happy that I was actually watching that game because during that game I was not happy. <laughs>
1: I remember watching, and it was like, "Oh, Villanova's up by ten. This is when they pull away. Let me go get we go get some dinner, come back to my TV. I had it on the background. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. Check in, see the Pauls creeping back in. And the thing is, is when you have these underdog teams, when you have these lesser teams." The longer you let them hang around, the more they start to believe in themselves and they really start to pick it up. You just can't – you can't let these teams hang around. Once they realize, like, oh, you know what, we can we can take it to these guys, we can do it, they're going to give you a game. That's why you got to take them out early. And yeah. I thought Villanova was going to do it, but at half it was close.
0: Right yeah they you mentioned before they were up like 14-15 at one point and they just refused to get a foot on the gas. It was so weird. It was just so anti anti-Villanova and it was very anti last year because we we mentioned it a few episodes ago that this was the, that this these are the type of games that 2 years ago our junior year team would be, you know, meddling around with. Last year they didn't really deal with it that much but and now this year it's reared its ugly head again.
1: I just don't know. I mean you got to feel It feels like a loss, honestly. It does. I don't know. Like, after after that game, even though Villanova won, you shouldn't be going toe-to-toe with DePaul. You just shouldn't. Especially at home.
0: No, not at all. I mean, like, the LaSalle game, I guess you could have made excuse because it was on the road. But still, it was still pretty bad. And you kind of got – and we kind of got frustrated at the fact that, you know, Notre Dame was right around the corner. And so, like – you kind of thought that it was maybe a trap game in that sense, but like this, this is at home. I know you got Creighton coming up, but come on, it's the first biggies Big game of the year, especially when a coach who stresses biggies play more more so than pretty much every other coach, and you you got to be ready for this. And they weren't. I mean, they were ready, but it was just like, who cares? It, it, it was it, it seemed like a team that they didn't care.
1: I don't know. This was closer than the LaSalle game, which was um, even scarier. Yeah, I I agree.
0: There there was so many like defensive lapses too, which was very uncharacteristic, especially at the end. They just look lost.
1: Yeah, I noticed that too. DePaul scores a basket, and everyone's looking at each other like, whose guy was that?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Letting him loose.
0: Yeah, a lot of miscommunication and a little bit too much celebrating, I, I guess. Like I, I think it was after. Was it after Josh's three to pretty much seal it? I think they were caught celebrating or something because the DePaul went right down the other way and they got an and one, I think it was. I think it was right after that. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember. But it was like, it was like guys, like, what are you doing? Like, I thought this, this, this is what we're good at, transition defense. This is, this is one of our best qualities. Come on, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think – see, I know you say it's ineffectiveness and all that. I think it was more so complacency, especially once they started to build that lead. I'm sure they thought, like, oh, we're going to pull away like we always do. Except DePaul did not roll over, no. which was definitely not DePaul-like. No, it wasn't.
0: It's not bottom feeder-like at all. It gives you, it makes you think, though, about DePaul. Maybe they do want to actually squeeze in a few games here and there this year, more than three than they did last
1: year. <laughs> there's one thing for sure, it's not going to be a fun day to be wearing that Villanova uniform to practice tomorrow.
0: Oh, no. I imagine Jay's going to destroy them, and for good reason. Or maybe he, or, okay. or maybe he just preaches attitude. Who knows? We, we don't know. It's a coin flip. Oh, and just to correct you on the uh, on the DePaul like, one where they always steal the game, it was actually at Marquette. They won 57-56. That was their one road win in the Big East play last year, but they did beat Providence at home.
1: It's good to always have your people. Twenty four seven fact checking you. Oh, I love it.
0: I knew they'd be Providence, and I actually, I, I, I actually was on the same boat as you. I thought that was in Providence. I don't, I don't remember the Marquette game though. <laughs> so, Chris, do you, do you feel a lot better? Um, uh, yes, but I'm still terrified of Creighton. All right.
1: <laughs> going into the season, you know how I feel about Creighton. Yeah, you I, love him. You know, I told, you, I texted you about a month in advance. I was like, you know, Chris, this team is going to be great. They're going to gonna give Villanova a hard time. And I'm sure, I don't know how you felt, but I don't think you bought my bandwagon. No. And now, as someone who drives the Mo Watson bandwagon, I will say that I am not proud to drive that bandwagon on Saturday. But I feel like that bandwagon is going to run over Villanova. Going into the season when we did our Big East preview game, this one right here. Circle the date. Circle that date. New Year's Eve, Villanova at the Century Lake Center in Omaha. Villanova is going to lose, and about three months later, I am still sticking with the same sentiments. Chris, how do you feel about the Blue Jays?
0: They're good. They're very good, especially at home. I am terrified for my life because we don't play well there, no matter how good or bad Creighton is. I mean, these aren't your Doug McDermott Blue Jays, but they—they're awfully close. Marcus Foster, Maurice Watson. We—we we talked about it. First episode ever, uh, guard you. Are they new guard you? They might be. They might just be the best backcourt in the Big East. Well, you know what? I have to say, they are. They are really freak good. I mean, we were just talking about it before. Maurice Watson is the assist leader in the country. Is is that correct? According to Pom? or assist rate highest assist rate.
1: Maurice Watson Jr. has the highest assist per game, <laughs> and he has the sixth highest assist rate according to Ken Palm. That is absurd.
0: So. He will be dropping dimes on a defense that looks very lost in recent games. And Marcus Foster seems to be the biggest beneficiary of that with averaging 19 points per game. And Maurice Watson's averaging 12.8 points per game and dropping nine dimes a game as well. And then... Kyrie Thomas is the third option for the Blue Jays, drop up in 12.6 points per game, averaging five boards and two assists. And Justin Patton, averaging 12.3 points per game and six rebounds. He is so yeah, so you got Foster, Watson Jr., Thomas, and Patton, all averaging double digits. This team can score and this team can play defense. And especially in Omaha, they are very, very, very dangerous.
1: Their Big East media day when Mo Watson Jr. said that, Oh, we have we don't have one of the best, we have the best backcourt in the Big East. We, we we thought that was crazy. Like, yeah. as much as I admired Creighton, I thought that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he's right, honestly.
0: He's right, he's right.
1: He, he's they, they're playing at a completely new level. And I know you say it's not Doug McDermott, Creighton esque. You know, you look at Ken Palm, I'm looking at it right now, and they have the highest three point shooting percentage in the country shooting over 45% and from two point range inside the arc they're making just under 60% and they're the top 10 for that. They're a great shooting team and they're top 10 in terms of offensive efficiency.
0: Oh god. What are what are they in on the defensive efficiency again? Sorry I
1: missed that. Uh they're they're above average. They're above average. They're they're, they're in top 100. Out. Okay. Top 75, just like save the nomination. Top 75.
0: Okay. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah, so we're going to have to score a lot because apparently they're going to score a lot as well. So I don't know if we're going to be able to do that in Omaha. Oh, see, now this is tough. See, why are they going to do this? Why do they have to have a close game against the Paul? Because I would have picked us going to, into Omaha and actually winning this game. But now I have, I have no confidence picking them in this. I, I, I would feel you. I mean, you, you picked Creighton regardless of what was going to happen last night.
1: Oh yeah! I want everyone to know that this is definitely for me. It's not out of fear at all. I thought (laughs) this was gonna happen, and I and I think after last night's game, I now I really think it's gonna happen. Before, before the season, I would say I was about a seventy percent confidence rate, and then as the season went along, I was like, okay, it kind of wavered in between sixty and eighty percent. But then after that Nepal game, I think I will say, yep, I think I I think my gut feeling was right at the beginning of the year, and I think. Villanova is going to unfortunately suffer its first L in a battle of undefeated teams.
0: I mean, this is a good game, though, for Fox Sports to market and the Big East to market because these these are two top ten teams. And last year when you had Nova against Xavier, that was two top five teams, and that got a lot of hype. I mean, even ESPN was hyping that game up. We even got I think there was even a Snapchat filter for it. I mean, this is good to see just on a conference level. To be fair, though, Green, Greens had their struggles. Two games ago, they played Oral Roberts. And beat them by one. And I'm going to go out and say, I don't think Oral Roberts is that good. <laughs> and I don't think they're that good as good as DePaul. So, I mean, they, they've, they played a close game to a very much lesser opponent at home, nonetheless, too. And beat them by one in a crazy game that ended in it was 67-66, I believe. And the last basket of that game was scored with like four minutes left, so it was just a defensive struggle until the end of the game. So they're susceptible to the upset at home as well, just like we were apparently last night. I still don't know how. So Creighton's not, you know, this big monster that you got to go in and slay the dragon. And but they're they're a good team. They're a solid team. And I'm actually I'm going to pick Creighton in this one. And I believe in my preseason predictions, I picked against Creighton. I think I picked Villanova. You did
1: pick Villanova.
0: Yeah, but I'm going to do what we did for the Notre Dame game. I'm picking Creighton because of the crappy performance this team (laughs) gave the other night. Just like how Villanova gave a crappy performance against LaSalle right before the Notre Dame game. Chris, are you hopping on the bandwagon? I am hopping on the bandwagon.
1: There's plenty of room. No,
0: I don't want to hop on the bandwagon. I think Creighton
1: is just just as much of a complete team as Nova is. I mean, you got Watson, Foster, big K-State transfer, who's reinvented himself, is putting up career numbers right now. Mm -hmm. And then you look at Kyrie Thomas, who's playing great basketball. But even more so, the big surprise to me, and this is why I really feel confident about picking Creighton, it's Justin Patton. He's a seven-foot center who's a freshman. Wasn't sure how he'd do going in. So it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe they'll definitely be top three. I don't know how they'll do. But Patton's been playing like a veteran. He, yeah, He's playing big. He's playing aggressive in the paint, and he's delivering. Yeah. And when you have that big man, that just changes the, the dynamic of everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's really taken over for that spot left by Uggers. Uh, Grizz- Oh, what's his name? Griselle?
1: Yes. Jeffrey Griselle. Griselle. Yeah.
0: So he's filled in nicely and he's shooting 76% from the floor. So yeah, you might want to cover him with, with everything you got. He's taking high percentage shots for sure. And Maurice Watson Jr. and Kyrie Thomas both shooting over 50% from three. So guard the three-point line as well with all you can.
1: (laughs) For Villanova, Creighton, as great as they are on offense, they're definitely not as talented as they are on defense. They're still good, don't get me wrong. Right. But they're not top 10 good. No. Josh Hart is definitely going to have to get it going. If anything, he's got to have the ball at least 60% of the time.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And Chris Jenkins has
1: to wake up. See, Jenkins is like a sleeping giant, man. You just got to give him the last half of the season. Just give him the last half of the season. Well, just we're, give, him, just we, give him the last two months.
0: We are in the second half of the season. Time to,
1: time to wake we're up. Give sleeping.
0: him the last three months. Okay. All right. Fine. Just
1: give him the last three months. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You
0: have, you have to wait till January.
1: Wait till I January. know. I
0: know. If there is one weakness for Creighton, though, they are pretty bad from the free throw line. They are pretty bad. 65%. It's not that saying. good. Not that good. Patton's
1: the worst defender, 47% from the line. So. And don't let Mo Watson fool you. He is only 5'10", and he kind of looks like Chancel Rapper. My <laughs> he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and, yeah, he's a dimer, but he can also score just, a lot, just as good as anyone else.
0: Yeah, he, he's, he's good. He's just he's a slasher for sure.
1: We have one question today.
0: Oh, we do have mail. I didn't we, think we, we have have one. had
1: any. Oh, oh, no, we have one. And it is from Tim Keegan. Tim wants to know, who's a bigger threat to Nova, Creighton, or Xavier?
0: Ooh. I think I said this before, but I think if we're going, if we're going on a game-to-game basis, I'd say it's Creighton. But I think for, like, the, the season, in terms of actually usurping the biggies title, I think it's Xavier. I think Xavier is less prone to an upset than Creighton is. That's why. I just feel that Xavier can run the table – if, if given the opportunity more so than Creighton
1: can. Oh, well, I feel otherwise. I yeah, feel, I figured you would. I feel the Blue Jays, fantastic team, great team. And I think that they are the biggest threat to Villanova. I also think that, they're more ready to beat Villanova. Looking at both teams, I mean, I don't know if Xavier will get Miles Davis back. I don't know if he's gonna even be allowed back on the team. I don't know <laughs> what his suspension deal is.
0: Yeah, that's an ugly one over there.
1: But yeah, if, in case you don't know, just look it up. It's it's not pretty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Xavier just has that big man problem that those front court issues that I feel like has been their downfall in the games that they've lost. Right. So. That's just why I kind of feel that way, but Crane man, tell you all—they're—they're they're the real deal. They're the real deal. I mean, maybe Villanova blows them out by thirty because they go on a revenge tour. I mean, usually when they get these close games, they usually blow out their opponent the next time. We saw it happen. Oh, well, they didn't blow out Notre Dame, but they beat Notre Dame. Maybe it'll happen again. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Chris, you're still sad from last night, aren't you?
0: I am terribly sad. I just, I don't like seeing my team get exposed. <laughs> like, like that. Against <laughs> like a team that's not very good.
1: <laughs> Chris, I would say your mood has drastically changed from the beginning to the end.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: All it took was to talk about last night's game.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of. Subdued it, and the fact that I'm going skiing in about I don't know 10 minutes is uh very, very helpful in t- you know subduing those feelings. But it, it just had the rear its ugly head because we just had to bring up that that damn score.
1: <laughs> yeah, Chris, I felt the fire from over here.
0: Oh, I'm glad you could because so did in my house.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could have cooked myself breakfast with it, could have oh. fried some eggs.
0: Oh, I would have been glad.
1: Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all for listening and subscribing to State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't done so, please do subscribe on iTunes or on Podomatic. Also, don't forget to check us out at ViewBenchMob.com for your news and updates on all things Villanova Sports. Also, follow us on the Twitter sphere at ViewBenchMob. Or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at EREPay5.
0: And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial at the man on Twitter as well.
1: Nova Nation. We're still number one. Hopefully, we can all enjoy a happy New Year celebration, New Year's Eve celebration, with a win. And I'll see you all back in 2017.